Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Catechism says that all things come by God's fatherly hand. There is nothing that is not under his control, including evil things, even the devil himself. You cannot attribute any occurrence or action, no matter how small or great, no matter how good or evil, apart from God's fatherly hands. Everything is in God's hands. That's very difficult for us to deal with, especially at certain times. It was very difficult for Job, as you can imagine, after the horrible things that happened to him. Job tried to make sense of it all. He asks, why does this evil come upon me? What have I done? deserve this. Indeed, it's an age-old question. Mankind has been struggling with that question as long as evil has existed. Catechism deals with that dilemma in Lord's Day 10. As it always does, it bases its answer on the Word of God. It's a beautiful answer, and we've heard it before, but we need to hear it Again and again, we need to hear it so that once again we can stand in awe of God and of his greatness and of how he is always in control, how how he is sovereign. Summarize this Lord's Day as follows. Everything is controlled by God's hands. We will look at man's struggle and then secondly at God's answer. So everything is controlled by God's hands. First then, our struggle. Suppose you were an elder, and you were to make a visit to Job right after the great disaster that fell upon him. He had just lost all his children in one fell swoop, and on top of that, he lost all his possessions, one by one. To top it off, Job also became terribly ill with unseemly boils all over his body. How how would you handle such a visit? What would you say to him? Especially considering the bitter and angry words that we hear him utter in chapter 30 in the passage that we just read. Would you rebuke him? Would you try to set him straight and tell him not to be so angry and bitter? What would you say? Well, hopefully you would listen carefully to what he has to say. An elder who comes with his own agenda will do little or no good. That applies to all of us. If you don't know how to listen, you will, as the so-called friends of Job did, easily jump to conclusions, and come with some useless advice. It may well be that you say all kinds of good and biblical things, but is it helpful? Probably not. You'd need to be on the same wavelength as the other person. Try to see where he's coming from. So let's try to do that with regard to Job. What exactly is he saying? It's quite shocking, isn't it? 
He says, terrors are turned upon me. Another translation says that they overwhelm me. And he blames God for that. For he says further, with great force my garment is disfigured. It binds me about like the color of my tunic. God has cast me into the mire, to the muck. And I become like dust and ashes. We can understand why Job is so distraught about what has happened to him. After all, he's lost everything that was near and dear to him. Nothing left. He did not even have his wife or his friends on the same wavelength as him. They said things that were less than helpful, hurtful even. Instead of making things better, they made it worse. They said that these things must have happened to him because there is something wrong with him personally, with his life, that somehow he deserves it. They don't come with anything specific, but they come to that conclusion from the circumstances that he finds himself in. They think it must have been some secret sin. Job does not agree with his friends. He doesn't think that they do him justice. One thing he does agree with, however, is that it is all God's doing. He does not look for an answer anywhere else. He is totally convinced that God is behind all this. And it's for that very reason that he bitterly complains to God. He says to him, you have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it. And you toss me about in the roar of the storm. Job is angry at God. He doesn't understand why this is happening to him. He's not any greater sinner than anyone else. As a matter of fact, he did his best to live a godly life. He did his best to bring up his children in the fear of the Lord. He did his best to keep God's commandments and to worship him as he required. He was faithful to his wife. He even says in the following chapter that he made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at other women. And so why is this now all happening to him of all people? Why does God smite him? the way that he does. Job does more than complain. He even accuses God. He can't understand why God doesn't help him. He says, look at what I did. Did I not weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? The implication is that God is less compassionate than a man. In effect, Job says, I help others who are down and out. How come, God, you don't? Why are you so merciless? Indeed, brothers and sisters, that's the accusation you will also hear expressed by worldly people who ridicule the belief in God. They believe that they are more compassionate than the God of the Christians. They ask, how could this God create such a world where there is so much pain and suffering? Why doesn't he help? Why does he let it all happen? 
How can you believe in a God like this? And they laugh at our confession in Lord's Day 10, which states that he is the one who upholds heaven and earth and all its creatures. They say, if that's true, then I don't want anything to do with such a God. If that's true, then he's a cruel God. He has no compassion. We people have more compassion than he does. At least we care. God doesn't care at all. I'm not going to worship such a God. Thankfully, brothers and sisters, Job does not go that far. As I said, he seeks his answer with God. And so he does not reject God. But he does question him. What do you think? Is that wrong? Well, he's not the only one who does that. Read through the some of the psalms and the accusations that we find there. For example, Asaph, one of the authors of the psalms, he, for example, also accuses God. He observes the lives of the unbelievers. He saw their prosperity, he says in Psalm 73, and the fact that they had no struggles in their life. They can do whatever they want and even curse God while doing it, and yet God does not touch them. It says in verse 14 and 13 of Psalm 73, All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence, for all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. What about David? David cries out in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Notice that Job has the same complaint, the same accusation. But when they do that, brothers and sisters, please note that they do that as they firmly affirm the existence of God. The question that God doesn't exist doesn't even come up in their minds. It does not enter their minds to think that God is not behind all the bad things that are happening to them. They know that he rules all things. They know that he is in control. They know that nothing escapes his attention. And it is for that very reason that they also address God. They know only he can change my lot in life. That's why they cry out to him in the first place. So once again, what would you say to Job when you visit him in the midst of his misery? What would you say to him now that you've heard him out? No doubt you would sympathize with him and say that you cannot imagine the kind of pain that he is suffering that it is terrible what happened to him. That's good. People need to be heard. They need to be understood. They need to be able to express their pain and to have it acknowledged. But what about any expression of anger against God? Would you rebuke him for that? Be careful. Think about it. 
Think about the situation. Brothers and sisters, if we do not have the right to speak to God about our plight, to whom then could we speak? To whom then would you send up your complaints? Who do you think really understands you? Your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your minister, your elder, your friend? Oh, sure, they will have a lot of insight. They only have a very small picture. And they can only offer so much help. They're very limited. Can anybody here on earth actually help you? Truly help you? Well, there's only one who can, and that is God. There's only one who will be able to give you a satisfactory answer. And so that is why you can cry out to God and seek answers from him. Not in rebellion. No doubt some people have to suffer much. Also, many of you sitting here in the pews. For example, some suffered in childhood because of the abuse at the hands of a parent or of a sibling or another relative or friend of the family. Other people have chronic painful conditions or suffer in broken relationships. So I can go on. There's so much suffering going on. What do you say to such a person? That they cannot cry out to God to ask him to answer them, especially when they are in the midst of their pain? Brothers and sisters, sometimes we need to express our anger and dismay to God. But we must always do that in the knowledge that God is in control, no matter what. All things are in his hands. And that's the comfort we need to have and must come with. And that's what the Lord God reminds Job of when he answers him. Second point. Chapter 40, we see that the Lord God heard every word that Job spoke. And now he also speaks to Job out of the storm and answers him. He puts it all into perspective for him. He wants Job, and especially Job's friend, to understand his greatness and his power and his majesty. He comes with his answer, starting in chapter 38. He says, verses 1 and following, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. He says, I was there from the very beginning. I am the one who made it all happen. And I have never left. I've always been there. And I will always be there. And I know that everything that goes on here on this earth and in heaven, there is absolutely nothing that escapes my attention. And so we see that the Lord God takes full responsibility for everything that happens. He does not hide behind anyone or anything. He does not distance himself from Job's problems either. He does not shift Job's attention away from him. 
on the contrary, has Job looked at him, right at him, at who he is. Job has to look God in the eye, so to speak. It's hard. In times of trouble, we would rather not have God in the picture as the one who allowed it all to happen. We would rather have him removed from our troubles. We would rather not have a God who permits all the disasters and misery and pain and evil here on this earth. We do not want him connected to our illnesses, to our family problems, to our pains and sufferings. We want a God who is mostly responsible for the good things and not the bad things. But, beloved, God does not want to be removed out of the picture, especially not when you are in the midst of troubles. He doesn't mind that you engage him and that you question him. He doesn't mind that you cry out to him and challenge him to give you an answer. You can bring your complaints to him and come with your requests. He will accept that from you. For he also accepts that from Job and from others like David and Asaph. They dare to interrogate God as to his justice and mercy and compassion. For the very reason that they know he is a compassionate God. But after your complaints. You better listen to him. When he answers you. Time for speaking. It's also time for listening. Time for reflection. Time for meditation. The Lord God is patient with you and me. He is patient with us so that we can understand who he is and so that we can put it all into perspective. And make no mistake about it, God does listen to us. David says in Psalm 38, verse 9, O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. He listens. He knows. But he also gives you answers. He spoke to Job directly. But he doesn't need to do that with us. For he has given us all his answers in his wonderful book in the Bible. Brothers and sisters, don't you boys and girls study that book. and Let it speak to you. And don't make a caricature of God. Don't make up your own answers. That's what a lot of people do. In one of his books, C.S. Lewis told the story of a wise barnacle that was sitting down at the bottom of the ocean attached to his rock. One day he got a glimpse of what man is like. And so he gathered around him his barnacle disciples and began to expound upon the nature of man. And he said... Well, I've seen a man, and man has no shell. Man is not attached to a rock, and man is not surrounded by water. After a while, a few of the barnacles got together and discussed what they should make of that knowledge, and if they can figure out what man was really like. They soon began to rationalize that since man had no shell, he must be a shapeless blob of jelly. Since man was not attached to a rock, it was quite obvious, so they thought, 
that he had no location where he lived. And since man was not surrounded by water, as they were, it would be reasonable to assume that man did not eat since he had nothing to, quote, food to him. The Barnacles therefore concluded that man was far less active and important than they were. From their viewpoint, from their environment and nature, they had extrapolated an extremely limited and warped concept of man. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to our view of God, we're like those barnacles. And so before we open our mouth as we comfort someone with regard to their pain and sorrow, then you had better give them a true picture of God, of who he is, of how he has dealt with his people throughout the ages, how he has rescued them, how he has mourned for them when they sinned against him. And then we had better come with the comfort of God's word. Only God can truly comfort you. Someone who is in the midst of despair does not need our criticism. He or she does not need to be feel does not need to be feel guilty. He or she does not need to be told that he cannot bring his complaints to God. You can. But to do tell him or her to seek God in faith and to listen to him, to let God speak. As soon as Job heard God speak, he realized what an imbecile he is. He realized how small he is compared to God. He said, I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. And then God puts him to the test. Questions Job. He says, Job, do you have difficulty with my justice? Are you going to condemn me so that you can justify yourself? Tell me, do you have an arm like God? Can you speak out of the thunder? If you can, then clothe yourself with glory and splendor and honor and majesty, and then you can tell all the proud men here on earth and women and unleash your anger against them, if you are able to do all that, well, then I will admit that you can save yourself. In other words, Job, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't have the total picture. I'm the one who made it all. You are totally in need of me for everything, and you cannot save yourself. You're helpless without me. Brothers and sisters, the Lord God wants Job to see how almighty and majestic and great he is. And he wants Job to trust him. He wants you and me to do the same. When we see the pain and sorrow that his life can bring, when we see and hear about the many calamities and disasters all over the world, then sometimes we may question where God is in all this. We wonder about his mercy and compassion. But know that the Almighty God is in control. And that only he can save you. That only he can save this world. And he does. And the end of this world is coming. 
but it's coming in his time. Job was eager to hear God's voice because he loved him. In his eagerness, he became impatient with God, however. He wanted immediate relief from his terrible condition. And that's understandable. But sometimes God makes you wait. He makes you wait so that you can actually hear his voice loud and clear. He makes you wait so that he can teach you patience. A wise minister was once asked by one of his parishioners to teach him how to be patient. But this man had great difficulty with that. So the man said that they so the minister said to the man that they should pray together. To pray together for patience. And then the minister began praying to God by asking him to bring all kinds of disasters upon this man and all kinds of calamities as bad or worse than Job. And after that prayer, the man said to the minister, What was that all about? I don't want all kinds of trouble in my life. I just want to know how to be patient. Well, said the minister, you can't learn patience without suffering and without pain and without uncertainty. There is no shortcut. Through it all, you have to learn to trust in God and to understand how he will carry you through life in his loving arms. You will learn how much he cares about you. Previous Lord's Day dealt with God as not only our Father, but also the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, God could not be our Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anybody who can answer your questions, it is he. For he himself walked here on this earth. He suffered like no one else. We cannot even begin to imagine the agony that he had to withstand. Whatever comes our way here on this earth is nothing compared to what came his way. Lord's Day 10 is a beautiful Lord's Day. So comforting. For here we have a summary of God's word as to how he deals with his children through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Almighty God who created all things is our faithful God and Father, and no creature shall separate us from his love, it says in the Catechism. And that statement is a direct quote from Romans 8. The Catechism tells us further how complete his control is. It says that all creatures are so completely in God's hands that without his will, none of his creatures can so much as move a muscle. That's something, isn't it? Hard to believe. But it's true. Job, once again, had to hear that from God. He had to hear his voice. You have to hear that God is in control. Brothers and sisters, you heard God's voice also from this pulpit again. Listen. Listen to him. Listen to him when he says that he is in control of everything, also in the midst of pain and suffering. And he will see you through it all. 